We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Hello, welcome to We the Deplorables. I am your host, Sherry Wilson. This is the place for faith, family, and freedom. So it's been a couple weeks since I've done uh, an episode, and I'll probably go ahead and do that just because of some time constraints right now with two projects that the Lord has me buttoning up and one that I need to have complete by April. But I wanted to discuss something that uh, I think is lacking. It's a critical uh, need in the church. It's a huge lack in the church, and that is discernment. And uh, I saw this lack of discernment whenever President Trump was uh, running for office in the first uh, election, you know, where he won. And I noticed a pattern with a lot of Christians where they were offended by his bluntness, even the way he would attack people. But, I mean, normally if you saw him attacking someone, it's because they attacked him first. Um, Me, with my D personality, I didn't mind it at all. Um, Sometimes he would say stuff, and I'm like, oh, no, you know, that's it. He's lost the election, blah, blah. And he wouldn't. And I... Uh, prophesied. I was one of the first ones that prophesied that he would win the uh, 2016 election. He would be like a Cyrus uh, anointed king or president, and uh, he would bring in unprecedented grace and prosperity, and it would be a time period where the church would need to move and function on a whole new level as far as getting deeper into society like we used to be, which would be the marketplace Uh, business people, politics, things like that, but that we were going to have an unprecedented grace on us uh, to do that. And then I also uh, said that the nation should have never been shut down. I received a word from the Lord in October of 2019 that uh, there was a trump card the enemy was going to play. And sure enough, a few weeks after that is when COVID began to make its way around the world. And when he shut down the nation, I knew that that would cause a chain reaction like a Pandora's box where we wouldn't be able to get out of it and put everything back in because that's just human nature. Once you give people that much power, then they'll run with it, some of them. And uh, sure enough, you know, crazy 
uh, liberal governors with mandates that are completely illegal, including in my own state of New Mexico. By the way, mandates and decrees, uh, executive orders, they're considered kingly decrees and they're not enforceable by law or by our constitution. And yet we just let people do it all the time. But anyway, I knew that by shutting down the country, that would open the door um, for some nefarious activities when it comes to the election. I've been itching to do uh, an episode on the election <clears throat> because people keep saying there's no evidence. There is evidence, and I have people that are on the ground, and they know of the evidence. So anyway, um, but I knew that shutting down the nation uh, was going to be a huge problem, and sure enough, when the mail-in ballots, et cetera, under emergency orders, blah, blah, began to occur, I knew that's how the election was going to be stolen. So now we have an illegitimate president. Now, that we still need to pray for him, that's for sure, because I do think it's God's judgment and also his mercy. Um, whenever there is a wicked or immature leader in office, it's usually a sign of God's judgment, but not in condemnation, but in a desire to turn people back to him uh, and restore us back to the original uh, intent, even of our own country, but also our love for Jesus, which don't believe what people say, even Christians, that we were not founded on um, Christian principles and the Christian faith because we were. There's too much evidence of that. And uh, maybe one day I'll do an episode on the Masons and that connection stuff because that's where people can get tripped up. But anyway, so whenever he was running the first time, I just noticed that he was offending the sensibility of Christians. And they just thought he was rude and insensitive and blah, blah. But I saw something totally different. I saw someone that could fight the Jezebel spirit in this country. And the Jezebel spirit was epitomized in Hillary Clinton. And the Jezebel spirit seeks to silence the church, silence the prophets. And political correctness is definitely a manifestation of the Jezebel spirit. And I remember being on a street in my town and the Lord saying, uh, a politician as usual will not cut it. I've got to get someone in there that will handle the Jezebel spirit. And so President Trump was like a, a Jehu, uh, not polite, rough around the edges, but he handled his business. And unfortunately, uh, Christians seem to think that we need pastors in office as president, and I don't agree. The only thing that we need in office are the people that God has anointed. And sometimes he anoints people that do not know him. I do uh, remember from very trusted sources that were close to the president that about five months into his campaign, or it was five months before he became president, I can't remember, he did get born again. And he actually had a spiritual council made up of great men and women of God, uh, but even some of them would give him bad advice, like, we need to shut down the country for the good of the people. No, we didn't. You know, for the good of the people doesn't always mean it's good. That's why the only instruction you can take is what is Holy Spirit saying. And that needed to be prayed for, not human reasoning. And so here we are. We're facing the consequences of what was said or what was done. And we now have a president who has obvious cognitive problems, as well as he's more of a tourist than he is a president. And you have to know that if you're in the top office of the land, you're definitely going to be hit with the most high-level demonic attack. 
an influence that there is because the enemy knows to go after the influencers on the top of the mountains where we just seem to go after um, the masses. And there's nothing wrong with evangelism and getting people born again, but the marketplace ecclesia always strategically goes after influencers. But that's a whole nother teaching. And and I'm going to do a whole series on the political aspect of Christianity and what we should be doing there. But when I was preparing for this episode, I just began to look at, you know, a year of uh, President Biden and the phrase that um, we might have heard back in uh, maybe like 12 years ago, and that was, elections have consequences. And um, which president do you remember that said that? A lot of people think it was Trump. A lot of people think it was McCain, who wasn't president, but it wasn't. It was Barack Obama. And it was on January 23rd, just a few days into his presidency in 2009. And the top congressional leaders from both parties gathered at the White House for a working discussion over the shape and size of President Obama's economic stimulus plan. And so the meeting was designed to promote bipartisanship. So they wanted to, you know, work together because that's what he promised on the campaign trail, hope and change and to work together. But he showed that in an ideological debate, he's not adverse to using his job. So challenged by one Republican senator, uh, senator over the contents of the package, the new president replied, I won. Then later in his uh, presidency, he repeated the same statement as he continued to basically rub it in the faces of Republicans. Uh, On October 25th, 2010, House Republican Whip Eric Cantor gave President Obama a list of modest proposals for the bill, and Obama uh, said he would consider the GOP ideas, but he told the assembled Republicans that elections have consequences, and I won. So right out of the gate, we had an indicator of how decisive Obama was going to be. In fact, I remember receiving a prophecy, and I cannot remember the guy's name. I wish I could, um, that he was going to be an angry president. In fact, he'd be one of the most angry presidents that we've ever had, and that that anger would spill out into the country. And it proved to be a very accurate prophecy. He also said that he would be elected twice. And again, that was a judgment from the Lord to try to sway our hearts of having a wicked and immature leader. And what's amazing to me is how many Christians voted for him in spite of his um, stance on abortion. But more on that in a little bit. Uh, I remember at my old house, I was, I think I was painting the dining room and I heard a man talking and it was on the TV in the living room and it just caught my attention because it was like a soothing voice. Um, it sounded like, you know, he was saying some good things, but I didn't know, you know, I couldn't make out exactly what he was saying. So I go to the living room and I see this gentleman, his name's Barack Obama. He's a Senator. I'd never heard of him and he's being interviewed. And it was before he won the primary to run for president. And I was immediately drawn in by his charisma. I mean, he had the ability to impart hope and expectancy and that there'd be some good things for our country and, you know, he sounded reasonable. He didn't sound far left. He sounded like old school Democrat. And now even old school Democrats usually voted for the wrong things. I mean, if you look at their record as far as ending slavery and um, discrimination and stuff like that, they were atrocious. But anyway, 
He just seemed maybe more reasonable like um, Manchin over in West Virginia. And uh, so I thought, man, this might be a good guy. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, don't buy it. He's charming. That's all. So um, people didn't vote for him just because he was charming, but he definitely had, to me, a demonic charisma, a manipulative spirit that really hooked in a lot of people, including people that love Jesus. And, you know, they didn't vote for him just because of his charisma. They voted because he wanted to unite the country and instead he divided it. So many say that, you know, he's one of the most popular presidents ever, but I beg to differ because in the midterm elections, uh, they lost the Senate and um, some in the, the House. And then uh, after him, what happens? We get Trump. So Trump was a resounding response to Obama's policies. And uh, so it's my personal belief that if we had had a better candidate than Romney, we might have gotten him out sooner. However, Again, I believe God was warning us that we need to do something before we lose this country. And so, like I say at the beginning, Trump was God's grace to give us time. So now we, we're here with Biden. And we're seeing some significant consequences so far because elections have consequences. So I want to run down his record, and then I want to end back on the topic of discernment. So hang out with me a little bit because I've got an important point to make. So... He ran on ending COVID, and that hit a powerful chord in American people after a year of shutdowns, fear, frustration, and chaos. So this is um, one of his uh, campaign messages. Once we get our federal, state, and local governments working together, Once there's universal masking, enough PPE and testing to go around, science-backed guidance to help us make the right decision, then we can get our kids back to school safely, our businesses growing, and our economy running again without wasting another minute. As I said last night, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. Okay, so he's going to shut down the virus. Well, here's the results of his work. During the first year of his presidency, his COVID policies, etc., case rates have gone up. More people have died uh, under him than President Trump's entire final year. So as of November of 2021, 400,000 people have died from COVID. Uh, During President Trump in the last uh, year, or maybe it was total, it was only 200,000. Um, This is in spite of three vaccines that President Trump got, but they definitely caused vaccine hesitancy by saying they don't trust it because they don't trust Trump. Um, So that slowed things down. But the vaccines, which really they're not vaccines, and we could get into a whole thing on that. But in spite of three vaccines that they keep saying works, shaming Americans who are unvaccinated, a host of therapeutics and mask mandates, even on young children, we still have the highest death rate so far. The reality, actually, is that if you're vaccinated, you have a higher chance to get Omicron. But the good news is your immunity will be boosted. Like It's either by 200% or 2,000%. I can't remember. But Omicron is proving to be nature's vaccine for everybody. Now, if you ask him, which people have, about these things and how he thinks he's doing 
as far as being a president, he says he's doing a great job and we're just too stupid to understand. I mean, that's the Im impact. We're just too dumb to understand. And he also said during the 2020 presidential campaign that if a president allowed over 200,000 Americans to die, he should resign. So he was taking a hit at President Trump, who I guess at that point it was 200,000. So now we have in one year, double the deaths. I doubt he's going to resign. On his first day, he stopped the uh, Keystone Pipeline as well as significantly decreased oil production in our country. The result, thousands and thousands lost their jobs. A lot of people in my own uh, community in New Mexico were like the second oil producer in the United States. And everybody's crying, wondering, well, I, we lost our job. Why would he do that? Well, he said he was going to do that. So I don't know if you're watching the Communist News Network or the MSDNC, but if you watch real news like Epoch Times, Daily Wire, even Fox, they can be a little bit slanted. But if you watch them, you would have heard him say that. So I don't know if they were cutting that out or if they were pushing, you know, the existential threat of global warming and people buy into that crap. I don't know. I just know that people seem surprised that he was going to do that. And he said he was. He also made us now we're dependent on oil again from foreign uh, sources like Russia and Saudi Arabia. Why? Like what benefit is he getting? There has to be money exchanging hands like Hunter Biden, which no one is allowed to talk about it. They'll censor you. Gas prices have now more than doubled with a projected increase to four to five dollars a gallon by the spring. I just went and got fuel today. It cost me $37. In the past, it was 23. So we're almost double 50, uh, well, 100% actually. Then this triggered inflation. Don't let them tell you that it was the economy because of COVID because that had nothing to do with it. It was already springing back to life. We had a V spike economy. So that had nothing to do with it. The minute he cut down oil production, the fuel went up. Then, and it went up extremely fast, so the costs of producing goods and shipping goods went up. And this was a critical mistake because the economy and trying to get workers and all kinds of stuff um, added to the, uh, the speed of inflation. And then all those cash infusions and stimulus checks actually spiked inflation even more because people are just spending money. And that's the thing with inflation where you have more money out there than you need to. So that's why they uh, raise interest rates so that people stop spending as much. I mean, that's literally what's going on. And his answer, well, let's pass even more bills and give even more handouts and let's expand Marxism in this country. Then we have the humanitarian disaster and a dangerous national security crisis at the border. On the first day, he suspended construction of the border wall that had already been paid for. So we've already paid for that, guys. He also ended the Remain in Mexico policy, which again, the Communist News Network is saying, well, he's going to do the Remain in Mexico policy. The only reason he's doing the Remain in Mexico is because a judge ordered him to do the Remain in Mexico policy. He also triggered a 21-year high surge in border crossings, and this is on purpose. And I'm going to play a video for you that will prove it. As of January 27th, 2022, we still do not have a report from ICE that we're supposed to get every year in October, if I'm not mistaken, on the numbers of illegal aliens that have entered our country, arrests, and everything that has to do with that. What we do know 
is the amount exceeds a population of 11 states in the United States. Over 1.5 million illegal aliens by August of 2021. So just imagine what it is now. On top of that, and that, by the way, that's enough to change a country. So on top of that, there's more fentanyl that has been seized in, than in three years combined, 10,500 pounds. You only need two milligrams to be fatal. So you could kill every American seven times with that much fentanyl. And with the increased number of states legalizing marijuana, marijuana, fentanyl has now become the replacement. So that's an unintended consequence of all these leftist ideas. So the failure to stop this and to actually encourage it and hide it is against the law. The Constitution requires the president to faithfully execute the immigration laws passed by Congress. So crime rates have gone up significantly due to illegals. Even there was a report the other day that the TSA was allowing illegals to use their criminal um, warrants or backgrounds or something of that nature as identification in airports. You can't get in there unless you have a passport for your vaccination, you know, in some places. So you have to show your license, but not illegals. Our border is more open than pre-9-11. So people are coming from all nations, the Middle East, Africa, Haiti. So at this rate, we're going to have tens of millions of people coming into this country. Why? Because Democrats are trying to shift the demographics of this country because they believe that these people will vote Democrat. We might be like, well, that's not possible because illegals can't vote. Well, in one county in New York, they can. They passed uh, a city ordinance that illegals can vote in elections in spite of our Constitution prohibiting that. So to these people, it's a living document, the Constitution. It's outdated and useless. They don't even follow the laws. In fact, they played a video tonight when um, Biden was interviewing, uh, oh, what was the chief justice, the black gentleman? Um, oh, it just left my my head, excuse me. But anyway, he was um, grilling, grilling him, basically, and he said, both you and I know that the Constitution does not protect natural law. You know it, and I know it. Well, what he's talking about is the natural law that's in our Declaration of Independence. It says, the purpose of the federal government is to protect, protect our inherent rights that only come from God, and those are called natural law. And so our rights don't come from a piece of paper. They don't come from the Constitution. They don't even come from the Declaration of Independence. Our rights are inherent or natural, and they come from God. So the Constitution was written to protect us from the federal government if they try to violate our natural law. So by him saying, we both know that the Constitution is not a protector of natural law, tells you what he uh, considers as far as the Constitution. And that was back when he was a senator and he didn't have dementia. So here we've got people that can vote now that are not even citizens. Now, let me get to one of my... Um, Let's see here. Never mind, I gave you those. Okay. All right. So now I want to play a video that was aired last night on Tucker so you can see what I'm talking about as far as this being uh, on purpose.
Westchester County, New York. The footage shows about 100 apparently illegal immigrants, mostly teenagers, getting off a charter flight in the middle of the night in Westchester. The migrants then got on buses. Someone on the tape describes how, quote, DHS wants this on the lowdown. In other words, secret, so you won't know about it, despite the fact you're a U.S. citizen who was paying for it. They're hiding it from you. They're doing this without your consent, speaking of an attack on democracy. In the footage, Westchester police express their frustration with what's happening. You trying to figure out what this is? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been having, uh, you know, you're on a, a secure facility here, and, and we don't really know anything, and we're in charge of security. So that's hence where we're having a problem here. So. Yeah, we're hanging out here on the tarmac, just yeah. like that. I, used I don't to know anybody. I used, up, uh, I used to pick up basketball teams that had more security. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, and very easily, you know, a few people could just go that way. <laughs> so um, I'm here to see uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's slowly coming together. But we also don't know, uh, you know, really what's, what's happening, how they're getting here, whatever else. Now, just to be completely clear, what you just saw is illegal. That's a crime. That's why they're keeping it secret. The U.S. government is not allowed to abet the breaking of federal law. Sorry. And that's exactly what they're doing. In the footage, a government contractor explains that the flights of illegal immigrants arrive at smaller airports to keep them hidden from the public. You don't want to be somewhere where the spotlight is. Yeah. You want to try to keep it as down low as possible. But a lot of this is just... No, I, I get it. I just, like I said... stuff that we don't tell people. Because what we don't want to do is attract attention. We don't want the media. Yeah. Like, we don't even know where we're going when they tell us. Oh, so just changing the population of your country, the one you were born in, but keeping it secret from you and then attacking you with some kind of bigot if you notice it. That's the game. Have you figured it out yet? Well, a different contractor offered his explanation for why this is all secret. I get the whole secrecy and all this but this is even about my thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And why? You know why? You know why? Yeah, I know, but why? Why? Yeah. No, but what's what's the big secret? Everybody knows it's happening. You know why? Now, I wanted you to hear that. The guy that is being paid by the DOD to basically fly illegal immigrants into different parts of the country to smaller airports to keep it hidden because they don't want the media on it, said because the American people would know that he is betraying them. He said, look who's in office. And so if this gets out, the government is betraying the American people is basically what he's saying. So they're trying to hide it. So here is a guy that's being paid with our tax dollars to illegally drop off people in this country. And then back in July, there was a whistleblower that um, shared some things that were going on with uh, Tucker uh, Carlson. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. It's not a partisan talking point or really any kind of exaggeration at all to say that Joe Biden has opened this country's borders to the world. Since Biden's inauguration in January, the Border Patrol has apprehended close to a million foreign nationals coming into this country overland through Mexico. How many people is that? 
Well, it's more people than live in the entire cities of San Francisco or Denver or Seattle or Indianapolis or Boston or Charlotte. We could keep going. And that's all in just six months. That is enough people to change this country forever. Now, you may argue that's a good thing. America will benefit from this mass influx of new people from foreign countries. If so, we'd love to hear that argument in detail. No one so far has explained how that works. But what you can argue is that opening the borders was legal or that anyone in this country voted for it. The current mass movement of foreign nationals into the United States was never approved by Congress. No one passed a law demanding it. The Biden administration just did it unilaterally without asking Americans what they thought of it. They probably already knew. Every poll we've ever seen shows clearly that voters of all backgrounds oppose open borders. That policy is highly unpopular. So the administration couldn't say out loud what they were doing. Instead, they operated in secrecy. They hid it. They're hiding it right now. So what exactly are they doing? Tonight, we have new information for you that answers that question, at least in part. This show has confirmed that the Biden administration has enlisted the U.S. military to move illegal immigrants secretly around our country. That is happening at Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. We know it's happening there because a man called Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Burroughs sent his subordinates an email spelling it out very clearly. Quote, over the next few days, weeks, or months, the note began, you may see passenger aircraft on our ramp transporting undocumented non-citizens. Please review the attached public affairs guidance on the issue. Burroughs' email then instructed uniformed military personnel to hide what was happening on the base from the country they're sworn to serve. Quote, do not take photographs and refrain from posting anything on social media. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Burroughs offered no national security justification for keeping any of this secret because there is no national security justification for keeping it from the rest of us. He just told the people who work for him not to talk. Now, we got his email from a whistleblower, and at first we doubted it could be real. During the last administration, you'll remember, the Pentagon firmly refused to protect America's southern border. That's not our job, they said. It's too political. Send us to Syria. And yet, according to this document, here was the very same U.S. military leadership at the Pentagon helping the Biden administration with maximum enforced stealth, with secrecy, to subvert this country's core immigration laws. It was hard to believe that could be happening, but it is happening. The Pentagon has confirmed it to us. Spokesman Chris Mitchell described the flights from Lachlan as non-citizen movement, part of what he called the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement's mission. He told us then to direct any further questions to ICE, so we did. We called ICE multiple times. ICE did not deny they were using Lachlan Air Force Base to relocate large numbers of foreign nationals into the interior of our country and do it secretly. The question is, where are all these people going? Several times, ICE promised us additional details, but in the end, we never heard back. Apparently, Americans do not have a right to know where foreign nationals are being resettled in their own country. We do know, thanks to the Center for Immigration Studies, that the administration, the Biden administration, has been sending illegal migrants all over the United States for some time now. Watch this. What's happening most of the time is that they are boarding buses and heading into America's heartland. A conveyor belt of commercial and charter buses, just like this one in Del Rio, Texas, are carrying tens of thousands sight unseen from Texas, Arizona, and California borderlands northward. And they are dropping their Haitian, Venezuelan, Cuban, and Central American family units in Florida 
New Jersey, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, and to large cities in Texas, such as Dallas and Houston. Oh, changing the electoral map, are we? Serving the businesses that paid for you to get elected, are we? Yes, we are. Now, those are buses you just saw. Now the administration is using aircraft and Air Force bases. And that ought to give you some sense of the scale involved here. What you're watching is demographic transformation in our country without our consent and in violation of our laws. That is happening. Now, our job is to shut up and accept it. We know that they will call us names if we don't accept it, but no thanks. What's happening, what they're doing, is wrong. It is, moreover, a violation of the most basic promise of democracy, which is that citizens get to control who runs the government. We, as citizens, have an absolute right to know what exactly they are doing. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey. Okay, so this was back in July, and at that point, they were basically using uh, bases to ship these people, and now they're shipping them to small towns, etc., etc. So this is what is going on. Um, I do have a uh, link in the show notes to a New York Post article that has some clips as well as uh, some photos, etc., by... Um, uh, Ms. Divine, I love her her stuff, but we are all paying for this as taxpayers. Then we have Afghanistan. Overnight, the bases were shut down, equipment abandoned, and Americans left behind. Um, we've been told several lies about what happened with. Um, uh, let's see. Oops, that's the wrong one. With. Um, the uh, Afghanistan deal. So the first lie is Americans understand we're going to try and get it done before August 31st. Um, that's what President Biden told George Stephanopoulos uh, August 19th. And if there are American citizens left, we're going to stay until we get them all out. He reiterated that promise the next day. Let me be clear. Any who Amer American who wants to come home, we will get you home. Well, now, the truth is, even Biden himself admits that Americans remained stranded in Afghanistan as he withdrew the last U.S. forces before getting them home. So 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave, he said Tuesday, uh, but they couldn't get to the airport, and the last five jets left without a single American on board, but they made sure and brought Afghanistan uh, Afghan uh, people on the airplane. The next slide was, we're making the same commitment, this is on August 20th, to Afghans who assisted America in the war effort that they would be able to come uh, to America. Well, on Wednesday, a senior uh, State Department official told uh, NBC News that the majority of Afghans who helped the U.S. did not make it out of Kabul. So they didn't have a number, they just said it's the majority of them. The, ne the next lie is the United States stands by its commitment that we've made to these people and it includes other vulnerable Afghans, such as women leaders and journalists. That was also August 20th. Well, they didn't uh, even ensure American-employed journalists made it to safety, much less any of the vulnerable Afghans. So 500 U.S. Agency for Global Media Journalists working for outlets such as Radio Free, Europe Radio Liberty, and their family members were left at the mercy of the Taliban, who have already begun bullying Afghan reporters. So that was supposedly a miscommunication. The next lie was that um, a reporter asked, do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam? He's like, none whatsoever, zero. 
Then not even a month after Biden spoke these words, pictures came from Kabul of a U.S. helicopter flying over the American embassy, and nearly 200 Americans fled the Barron Hotel on Chinooks when they couldn't reach the Kabul airport. So another, you know, lie, and it sure was almost exactly like Vietnam. The next lie was Biden vowed to continue providing the Afghan army with air support. He said, I'll insist we continue to keep the commitments we made of providing close air uh, support, making sure that their air force functions and is operable. He made that promise to Afghan President Ashraf Ghani before he fled with a bunch of money. In a July 23rd phone call that was leaked Wednesday, we'll continue to provide close air support all the way through the end of August. And who knows after that? Well, the truth is, they, and, and this was reported by the Wall Street Journal on August 14th, in the wake of President Trump's uh, withdrawal decision, the U.S. pulled its air support, intelligence, and contractors servicing Afghanistan's planes and helicopters. That meant the Afghan military simply couldn't operate anymore. So that's why they didn't defend themselves, because they couldn't operate. A lot of people got mad. They're like, well, we've been over there for 20 years. They should have known what they were doing, and blah, 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 blah. Well, the fact of it is that without uh, an Air Force, you don't have a military. And then another lie was your own intelligence community has assessed the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true, he said. Um, The likelihood that there's going to be a Taliban overrunning everything and owning the country is highly unlikely. Well, Biden knew the Taliban were overtaking the Afghan government and asked Ghani to lie about it. He said, quote, the perception is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban, and there is a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to pr- project a different picture. Ghani gave them the facts. We are facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least ten to 15,000 international terrorists. So not only that, but, um, and I loved this uh, show on Fox Nation by Lara Trump Has No Agenda, and this is basically we betrayed the Afghans. Okay, we betrayed them. They trusted us. And Lara Logan, who has been over there for many, many years, she's been, uh, I think, since the Brits uh, were last there. I mean, she has been, uh, you know, she's lived there. She's been there. She knows the uh, Afghan people and how they think. And so this is their perspective, according to what she has been able to learn on the ground. Their perspective is that America does whatever America wants to do. And if America can find bin Laden, they can also see the Taliban moving in to take Afghanistan. Therefore, America wanted out. And they betrayed the Afghan people because we didn't have to leave. And don't buy the lie that we had to get out because of President Trump's agreement. That's not even close. What happened was not even close to what he had uh, said on paper. None of the conditions were met, much less enforced. So we've got an entire generation that grew up free from Taliban rule that are now under uh, Sharia law. And again, don't get mad at the Afghan army. They don't have air support, so their ducks sit in the water. Then we have the supply chain crisis that's furthering the hardship of many Americans as well. The reason that's happening is there's a shortage of truck drivers that can actually get into uh, California because of regulations. So you've got poor management, um, poor problem-solving skills from this government, and you also have regulations that have literally um, banned half the truckers in the United States from entering California. So the whole thing is a disaster. We then have the rise of state media spewing dangerous rhetoric against Republicans and lies about what's actually going on. 
Uh, in fact, let me get this up here. Let's see, CNN, okay, this is what they said. Um, hmm, where did it go? Let me refresh it. Sometimes your computer doesn't cooperate like it should. Um, so Stephen uh, L. Miller uh, retweeted Oliver Darcy, who I guess um, works with CNN, said some news or no, he said some news and Republican sources, uh, reliable sources, senior White House and admin officials have been holding briefings with major newsrooms over past week to try to reshape economic coverage. So it says White House quietly tries to reshape economic coverage. The White House, not happy with the news media's coverage of the supply chain and economy, has been working behind the scenes trying to reshape coverage in its favor. Senior White House and admin officials, including NEC Deputy Directors David Kamen uh, and Bharat Ramamurti, along with Ports Envoy John Pecori, have been briefing major newsrooms over the past week. The officials have been discussing with newsroom trends pertaining to job creation, economic growth, supply chains, and more. The basic argument has been made that the country's economy is in much better shape than it was last year. I'm told the conversations have been productive with anchors and reporters and producers getting to talk with officials. So basically, they're using the media to lie to us. And that's actually against the Constitution. The Supreme Court has been very clear that you cannot use media to get the word out by the government because now you have a state-ran government, and that's against our Constitution. His approval numbers at a historic low of 37 or 33 percent. I can't remember. It's bad. So basically, the only thing that Biden has done well is fail. Oh, and then don't forget that something is wrong with him mentally. The idea that um, the um, but the nature not when. the political coverage the, that look um, some of the political players and some of the let me ask a rhetorical question no I won't anyway I mean, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, it's obvious something is wrong with the man. So here we have um, the cognitive decline. We've got all of the things that are going on as far as, um, you know, Russia, Ukraine. We're almost in another war. And let's not leave out his stance and his action on abortion. So on the, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the first days of his presidency, he signed a memorandum to reverse restrictions on abortion access domestically and abroad imposed and expanded by the Trump administration. The memorandum will, quote, reverse my predecessor's attack on women's health access, he told reporters. He added that the measure relates to protecting women's health at home and abroad, and it reinstates the changes that were made to Title X and other things making it harder for women to have access to affordable health care as it relates to their uh, productive rights. 
and then he also moved to fulfill a campaign promise to rescind the so-called Mexico City policy, which was a ban on U.S. government funding for foreign nonprofits to perform or promote abortions. So basically, we're paying money uh, to kill babies all over the world. That, that's where your tax uh, dollars are going. Now, with all of that that I've just said, here's my question. Why did so many fall for it? You could easily look up his record, his voting record, what he really didn't do very well as a senator. Um, you can look up his racism the people that he hung out with that were actually racist. Everybody was yelling racist, racist, racist with Donald Trump when he wasn't racist. He didn't have an ounce of racism in him, but Biden actually does. The meanness and unkindness he displayed, a pony-faced dog soldier in one instance. I mean, he calls people names. Um, what a sorry uh, son of a bitch is basically what he said the other day uh, with Peter Ducey, but he had a hot mic on. Um, his absolute lack of foreign experience, where he always had the wrong call, like he didn't want to go get Osama bin Laden, but Obama at least had enough smarts to know that uh, was something he needed to do, and it's probably for you know political purposes, but he did it. But here's an even more important question. Why did Christians vote for him? And it goes down to one thing, abortion. So if, if a Christian voted for him, they voted for abortion. You cannot separate who you vote for from their policies. I'll never forget a pastor, a spirit-filled pastor, that after Joe Biden was elected, he heard his speech and the part about unifying the country, and he thought it was great. I, you could tell he wasn't excited that he was now president, but you could tell that that speech really, you know, it sounded good. Um, it sounded like he meant it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't buy into it. He has a record of being divisive, of being a bigot, of being an abortion supporter. So this most the people of this country, including many Christians, voted either directly for Biden or they voted independent, which was voting indirectly for Biden because they didn't want a Jehu. They didn't want a Trump who was rough around the edges. They wanted an Absalom who was beautiful on the inside versus a warrior who would take care of business. And a lot of Christians were willing to vote in abortion to avoid the old man or that orange man because he was rude. So my message in this podcast, elections have consequences. The ch church better wake up and stop voting based on political party, the color of their skin, or fancy words with little meaning. Discernment is key. You have to have discernment because there's a ruler that's coming at the end of the age that will be able to put Obama and Biden to shame when it comes to manipulation and lies. So I may offend some people with this podcast because people get really defensive when you point out you basically voted for someone who supports abortion all over the world. But it's a fact. And any defensiveness tells me that you have to know in your heart that it's a fact. So for the action on this podcast, the first thing is repentance. Repentance for voting in what seemed beautiful versus the Jehu that we needed. I would also go to the website, the Hub Apostolic Training, and download Take Action, Save America uh, to get an action plan and also volunteer as a poll watcher. Get trained and volunteer 
so that you can watch the next election so we don't have any funny business like we had in the 2020. And to help you solidify our role in um, politics and government, I highly recommend The Role of Pastors and Christians in Civil Government by David Barton. So I, you know, my, I don't try to offend people just to offend people. That's, that's not what I want to do, but we've got to have people that start speaking truth. You know, everybody's saying, well, you know, we need to get along with the Democrats, blah, blah. Um, they don't want to get along with us. So that, that's the one thing they're, they're, that it's no longer the same, I guess is what I should say. It's no longer the same. Um, but we need to get over the idea that it's okay to vote for people in office that support abortion. That is the question. That is the thing that can break the camel's back. And I highly recommend that you listen to Tommy Ira Romy's, uh, prophecies on the, um, oh, nine. Let's see. I've got it right here. Um, God says we ha- only have nine years. He also um, had a prophecy about um, uh, 2022 and some things that need to occur uh, on that. So I highly recommend that you look up his stuff and begin to listen. I've even had it transcribed so that I would have everything about it where I could study it and mark it up and pray and all that stuff because he's very, very accurate. So I hope we can still be friends after this. I just wanted to compare where we had Christians vote for Obama, we had Christians vote for Biden, and look where our country is. We can no longer vote for people just because they seem genteel, just because they have smooth words, just because they have a um, you know mesmerizing tone of voice and how they communicate. We have to hear Holy Spirit and what He's saying. So on the good news, um, an anonymous shopper buys an iconic guitar for a young rocker who came by the shop to play it. So this guitar belongs to a band called Pantera. I do not recommend their music. It's pretty demonic. But I do like the story of a good Samaritan. He took notice of a boy's overt fondness for a particular guitar, and he decided to buy the instrument for him as an anonymous gift. So Fallon often came to J.B. Hart Music Company in Grand Junction, Colorado, with a request to play the Pantera guitar, referring to the model made iconic by the guitarist uh, for the heavy metal band Pantera. Fallon is impacted by Williams syndrome and has an excellent knowledge and love for music. The music store wrote his dream was to own his, this guitar. Eight months ago, when he was in the store pay, playing it, another customer took notice of Fallon. It moved this customer so much that he returned to the store later and asked to give the guitar to Fallon anonymously the next time we saw him. He purchased the $800 Dean Dimebag Daryl ML guitar, and they waited for the boy to return, but he didn't come into the shop for eight months. The family had moved to Texas, but when they were back in Colorado, they popped into the store and were shocked by the surprise that awaited them. His mom burst into tears, and Fallon beamed with excitement. It was a special moment. They are still good people in the world. That special moment drew the attention of the remaining members of Pantera themselves, seeing it as the guitar made famous by the dearly departed Dimebag Daryl, whose music Fallon so much admired. Not only that, according to the music store, band manager Kim Davis contacted the family with news that Pantera's Philip uh, Anselmo and Rex Brown would be sending him a rock and care pa- uh, package. And so you can go um, to the link on Good News and watch the video of when he received that gift. So until next time, God bless America.